It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, friends? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. What's going on? Hope you guys had a good weekend and enjoyed the crossover last week. Billy Rossetti back with you guys here. Flying solo again after being joined by the good folks over at the rest of the NFC South shows. Uh, it was a great week. A lot of good discussion on the four teams, on um, what we expect the, what we expect out of the four teams. So if you missed any of those episodes, go back, check them out. We talked about each of the four teams over the first four days, and then we talked about the preseason NFC South team that was voted on by us and uh, a lot of the fans, and there was a lot of good discussion on that. But uh, today, um, actually not really flying solo, at least to start I'm flying solo, but uh, on today's episode we do have my interview with Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus. We got together and talked about some of the fantasy projections uh, of the Panthers players and also kind of gave you an idea of where some of these players are going uh, in terms of you know round and uh, groups of players that they're kind of tiered with. So it'll kind of give you an idea of where you can target a bunch of these guys. So a lot of good discussion. And we talked about basically every uh, every fantasy option on the Panthers, from McCaffrey to Bridgewater, uh, all the receivers, Thomas. We even touched on the defense and the kickers uh, a little bit at the end. So a lot of good stuff there. So I hope you guys enjoy it. But, um, you know, one quick note I do want to touch on. Uh, of course, we have the continuing, continuing talks between the league and the players. Uh, regarding preseason and the protocols, things like that. Uh, of course, the news coming Monday that the league has now sent a proposal to the players as they continue to, again, ad- try to address training camp, things like that. Now the league is willing to do just one preseason game. That's per report from Tom Pelissero. The, the, uh, the league has now proposed one preseason game. It would take place August 27th, which would have been the third week of the preseason in a normal year. So if we're just going by the uh, the original preseason schedule for the Panthers, that would have been them playing at Baltimore on that uh, Sunday night uh, in, in that week. So uh, whether or not that's going to be the game remains to be decided. Maybe they'll do like what uh, if they play, again, this is the key, if they play that one preseason game, because of course the players are still adamant that they want no preseason games. They want that 21-day acclimation period and the the full training camp pretty much all the way up until the regular season. But if they do happen to have a preseason game, maybe they'll just do it where uh, these teams are playing uh, other teams that are close to each other to try to limit travel at least early on uh, in the preseason. So, for example, the Panthers... Uh, maybe they would stick with the Ravens because, you know, it's not too far, at least in terms of the, you know, the whole scope of the league. It's not too far for the Panthers to go to Baltimore or, you know, maybe they play one of the Florida teams. Maybe they play the Jaguars, who are fairly close. So it would be really interesting. You know, the league wanted to do two games. 
because they wanted every team to at least have one home game in the preseason to test out all the, the protocols, not just for the players, but certainly uh, game day workers, referees, all that stuff, and to potentially test in case you know these, these teams do allow fans. But as of now, the league is now proposing one preseason game, but again, the, the players are still adamant that uh, that they want no preseason games. So uh, still some talks going on. And oh, by the way, rookies, of course, are reporting this week. In fact, two teams, of course, have the rookies reporting today. That is the Chiefs and the Texans. You know, makes makes a little sense because, of course, they're playing in the, the opener, though I think still all teams are reporting on July 28th. And, of course, Panthers rookies as well as rookies from all the other teams uh, all set to report on Tuesday. Again, quarterbacks and injured players are reporting on Thursday. And then every everybody else reports to camp next Tuesday. So it's still pretty crazy that there's still a lot to be discussed between the NFL and the players. And here we are. It's basically the 11th hour with training camps literally right around the corner. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that the league has had so much time to figure all this stuff out and they really haven't done much and of course now unfortunately you know it's there we're really pressed for time in terms of getting all these protocols down so it's really on the league at this point you know they again they've had all this time i mean yeah the 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 cases have spiked certainly uh after what was seemingly a, a steady steady pace throughout the month of June it certainly spiked within the last couple of weeks but even still you know the NFL has been able to see how a lot of these other leagues have been able to do so now obviously the NFL of course is in a different position they're not really in a spot where they can be in a you know it'd be tough to bring everybody to a bubble obviously for a full season whereas like the NBA and the NHL are doing but even like Major League Baseball uh still sort of came to a, an agreement as we know their talks weren't the greatest either it basically came down to commissioner manfred saying yeah we're just going to be forcing a, a 2020 season because we can't really can't come to an agreement but that was more uh on the money side and number of games though the nfl kind of is similar in that with the preseason um i don't know it's it's still pretty crazy that the NFL has had all this time to figure something out and they now have their backs against the wall and training camps start next week. So I don't know. We'll see. But um, in any event, we'll just continue to hang tight, I guess, and just hope for the best. You know, we're still on track to have a regular season. That's the goal, a full regular season. And there's still time to figure it out for that. But as far as, you know, training camp and preseason, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, but in any event, uh, we'll switch gears here. Um, before we get into, of course, our uh, my interview with Andrew Erickson, uh, I want to shout out, of course, our good friends over at Rock Auto. Because let's face it, at some point, all of us are going to have problems with our cars right we all get into a situation where um we need brakes or we need transmission or we need a battery whatever the case may be 
And we know that sometimes it's tough to go to, you know, a physical dealership or mechanic place and find the exact parts that you need because they may have some parts, but it may not necessarily be for your car. Well, that's where rockauto.com comes into play because they have parts for any type of car, any type of model. So whatever you need, rockauto.com is the place to get it. They're a family-oriented business. They've been serving customers now for over 20 years, and they've just been fantastic, and they've been a great sponsor to us now for quite some time now. And again, they have just about everything you could think of. They have engine control modules. They have brake parts. They have tail lamps, uh, even new carpets for your car. They, they just have so much, and it's cla- it's perfect for if you're a classic driver, a daily driver, a professional mechanic or do it yourself or they have all the parts you need and all at great prices no matter what type of person you are it's the same low price across the board so go to rockauto.com and when you get to there how did you hear about a section make sure that you wrote that locked on sent you so that you show support to us you show support to them and it just is a one great big cycle so that's rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and also a quick shout out to uh, a couple of our other sponsors rad power bikes right now is a limited time offer get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike that's right and free shipping to the lower 48 states that's with rad power bikes all you got to do to get the special offer is text the word NFL to 64,000. Again, that gets you a free accessory with the purchase of a bike through Rad Power Bikes. That's texting the word NFL to 64,000. And our friends over at Freshly join almost 1.5 million satisfied customers and skip the shopping, prepping, cooking, and cleanup. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off their first two orders at freshly.com slash locked on and our friends over at manscaped go to manscaped.com and use the code locked on to get 20 percent off and free shipping manscaped is number one in men's below the belt grooming and offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels so big shout outs to all our sponsors there thank you so much and without further ado, we're just going to jump right into it. Here's our friend Andrew Erickson jumping on the pod from Pro Football Focus. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And without further ado, here we go. Here's myself and Andrew. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys, we're here with... Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus joining me to talk some 
fantasy football here regarding the Carolina Panthers and just how PFF is kind of viewing the Panthers this season. Obviously, some interesting notes coming. Uh, definitely, definitely should be a lot of fun. Happy to have Andrew on. Andrew, how's it going, man? Good to have you on the show today. Thanks, Billy. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good, man. And I'm excited to talk some Carolina Panthers because they, they really are one of the more intriguing teams to really look at from a fantasy uh, aspect. They, they really are, you know, just in general, I've always thought this season, they're going to be so fun to watch. I mean, hopefully we get a chance to watch them a lot, you know, and hopefully uh, all this quarantining and whatnot has been good for you. Hopefully you're staying well and everybody out there is staying well. Uh, but I want to jump right into it. Um, I think we'll start pretty simple uh, with who the guy who seems to be the near consensus number one pick in a lot of fantasy leagues, and that's Christian McCaffrey. And I think we pretty much know by now why Christian McCaffrey is a top pick and just what makes him so good. I think the question that I kind of have is what is the what's the gap right now, I guess we'll say, in terms of uh, between Christian McCaffrey and, say, Saquon Barkley, who seems to be the pretty consensus number two running back. You know, what makes Christian – you know, how how far ahead is he of Barkley? What's What makes that gap so big? Well, I think that the, the big gap kind of stems just from, you know, partly last year with McCaffrey's finish where he was, you know – I mean, he outscored the second running back, which I believe in, like, most formats was Aaron Jones, by, like, you know, over, over 100 fantasy points. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, he, him at RB1 versus the RB2. It was like, you could have taken away, like, 100 fantasy points from Christian McCafferty, and he still would have finished as the RB1. So it's like, he doesn't even necessarily be as good as he was last year, and he's still the best running back in, in fantasy. So that's, like, one way to look at it in terms of, you know, why the gap is so big. But, you know, Barkley also kind of has a sour taste in people's mouths a little bit because, you know, he was kind of like the number one overall pick last year in a lot of leagues, and he got hurt. So, you know, that's why the gap between the two is really large. But I, I do think that when you – when we're talking about, you know, if, if they do play 16 games, I think that it will be a little bit closer between McCafferty and Barkley because I don't necessarily expect McCafferty to repeat, you know, how good he was last year. And I do think Barkley is going to bounce back, um, you know, obviously if he stays healthy in that Giants offense. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the Giants obviously improved their offensive line a little bit, getting uh, Andrew Thomas in the draft. And you got some real good young players on the interior there to help out Barkley, whereas Caroline, obviously their, their offensive line is a bit of a question mark. Uh, they brought in guys like John Miller, uh, they're looking at Dennis Daly at those guard positions. Uh, do you think the offensive line – or how much of the offensive lines do you think is going to be a factor in uh, in deciding between these two or at least might affect these guys' games as well? Yeah, I think that's something that's not being looked at enough, you know, looking at the Panthers and the Giants. And I think just like from a holistic standpoint, you know, what we have going on is these two teams, you know, the two respective teams that have, you know, the, the two number one picks – they both have new head coaches, you know, mm -hmm. and, and this is probably the worst season that you could probably have a new head coach. Like, yeah. and that's something that not enough people I think are taking into consideration when you're looking at these offenses and you have new offensive coordinators, you have Jason Garrett, you have Joe Brady. Like we don't know what these, how these offenses are going to work and how, you know, fluid they're going to be which is why it's hard to, you know, ultimately say, oh, well, they're going to be so different or they're going to be the same. So 
but you but just because of those players are just so good it's hard to imagine the coaches like not using them the right way um but even you know bringing up like ezekiel elliott you know another top running back you know they have a new offensive coordinator too so that's something to keep in mind when you're looking at these with these players and drafts is that you know there's a lot of coaching staff overhaul with some of these players and that could have a large impact especially this year and just to kind of quick wrap things up on the running backs is there any type of uh league format scoring format whatever the case may be where you could see christian mccaffrey not being uh the number one overall pick in the draft yeah other than the scott fishbowl of course (laughs) other than the scott fishbowl of course i think that in a standard league i think that ezekiel elliott could potentially outscore mccaffrey because i think elliott has you know with that offense that is just, it seems like it's just juiced up, you know, out of, you know, crazy. They could score a lot of points. I mean, he could flirt with like 20 touchdowns. Like if the, if the Cowboys offense is firing on all cylinders and they're playing shootout after shootout, they, I mean, Elliott could score an absurd amount of touchdowns where it doesn't even matter even necessarily how many passes he catches or, or whatever. So I think that Elliott in a standard league could, could make some noise. Interesting. No, and we just saw his tweet the other day about the, I guess, feeling disrespected. So he's, <laughs> he has a, we'll have a chip on his shoulder. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the Panthers offense now. And obviously you mentioned the new offensive coordinator. So I guess that's kind of a nice segue to uh, the, another new factor of the Carolina Panthers, which is another reason makes them so interesting this year with this whole COVID nonsense is a new quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater now in with, as you mentioned, Joe Brady as offensive coordinator. And at least they have a little bit of a connection uh, in the past. They were together in 2018 with the Saints. So uh, looking at uh, Teddy Bridgewater now, you know, the consensus seems to be that he's not, uh, he's obviously not like a, a starting quarterback in a standard league, but he's a solid, he could be a solid option and say a two quarterback league, super flex or whatever. Uh, how do you see Teddy Bridgewater this season? You know, what's the, the PFF outlook? Um, and then how much of having that little bit of history with Joe Brady, how much is that going to help Teddy Bridgewater this year? Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely pro Teddy Bridgewater. You know, you mentioned the Scott fishbowl. I took him as one of my quarter, my second quarterback. So I was, I was pretty pumped about that, especially in that scoring format where you get a lot of points for completions. So that's one thing that we know Bridgewater does well is he has a high completion percentage. He is able to throw accurately. He can get the ball into his hand, into the hands of his playmakers, which looking at Carolina, you know, you know, the argument can be made. They have a really, really good, you know, skill core of players, you know, with McCaffrey, with Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. And I really like Ian Thomas too, as well as at the tight end position. So he has a lot of playmakers that he just really has to distribute the ball to. And he may not really need to, you know, force the ball downfield, which is kind of his big knock is, oh, well, you know, he can't throw deep, you know, just like kind of like Drew Brees. But if anything, I mean, he was kind of put into that Saints system where, you know, it wasn't predicated on, on really throwing the ball deep downfield. You know, they built that system with Brees in mind and it's not like they're going to, oh, well, Bridgewater's in, let's just start like slinging it 40 yards downfield every play. That wouldn't make a lot of sense. So, Bridgewater, I mean, his fantasy production last year with the Saints wasn't, you know, anything special. Like, he didn't do a lot. But he had that one game where he really, again, I believe it was against the Buccaneers, where he really got to throw it a little bit more, and he was really good. You know, he had a really solid fantasy pr- production in that game. And the way that this team is looking like when it comes to their defense, 
which does not look like it's going to project very well, especially because they drafted all defensive players in the draft. I mean, it just goes to show, like, they are not, like, putting out a defense that's going to stop people or scare people. You know, Luke Keekley is gone. They don't really even have, you know, who's going to be, like, leading the defense. And I could just see them having to play catch-up so often that Teddy Bridgewater is just going to find himself in negative game scripts where he's going to have to throw the ball. And I think that ultimately he's going to be able to deliver some fantasy weeks that are really good. So I do like him as a late quarterback that you can get your drafts. Yeah, absolutely. And I've said even uh, in kind of DFS formats right out of the gate, I think he's got a pretty good matchup there against the Raiders. Raiders, I think are uh, in a similar situation. They're going to have a lot of new faces, especially on defense. Um, and not a lot of time to kind of get every, get everybody to gel. It's an East Coast uh, East Coast time for the, for the Raiders, which you know has been tough for West Coast. So, I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, early Week One outlooks. Teddy Bridgewater a streamable option against the Raiders? Oh, 100 percent. He, I think he has his. You know, his schedule like early on is actually really good. You know, I know that I don't have the exact guys that they're the exact teams that they're playing, but the the Raiders matchup is really good. It's definitely streamable. Mm-hmm. So I think that Bridgewater is someone that you could definitely draft and late in your draft and, and feel confident. The only thing is just is a matter of, you know, chemistry with the new teammates. You know, yeah. that's one concern. But again, you're not you're not paying for that to be right away. So if Bridgewater starts out slow, we kind of know why. So he could be someone that you can kind of keep drying. It's like, hey, Bridgewater's starting to heat up. Like, okay, now he's got a good matchup. Let's let's roll with him. For sure, for sure. Um Let's talk. Let's talk about the about those teammates that you mentioned, especially the wide receivers. Um, you know, I agree. It's like like you said, they've got a lot of good players uh, on the, a lot of good teammates there. Uh, we obviously have to start at the top with uh, someone that a lot of people are having as a top ten wide receiver, and and for good reason. Uh, and that's of course DJ Moore. Um, starting to have a, a breakout career. You know, he really took off in year two until he had the concussion late in the season and knocked him out for the final game. But, I mean, DJ Moore is just that type of player that, you know, with a new offense, new offensive coordinator, uh, he's just that guy that um, – he's just that stud player that a new quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater can just throw the ball to and just let him make plays. You know, obviously this isn't uh, Teddy Bridgewater to Michael Thomas, but it's still at least – you know, a, a really good playmaker. So uh, does PFF have DJ Moore as a top 10 wide receiver? What are your thoughts? You know, what's, uh, what's, what's the ceiling for DJ Moore? And, um, you know, when should, uh, when should fantasy owners expect to, to take a stab at him? You know, how long can they afford to wait on him? Yeah, so DJ Moore is definitely like within our wide receiver one ranks. He's definitely someone that you can feel confident being your, you know, one of your main staples in your wide receiver depth chart on your fantasy team. And again, I took DJ Moore with, you know, I took him in the Scott Fishbowl and then I, I got the stack with Teddy Bridgewater. So I, I did that intentionally awesome. because you're, you hit the nail on the head. You know, we want these two players together because they do have a connection or a chance to build like a Michael Thomas, Drew Brees connection. I, I really don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. If he kind of hyper targets DJ Moore as his main guy, because Michael Thomas didn't lose a step with Teddy Bridgewater. So clearly you can see that Teddy Bridgewater can support, you know, a wide receiver one. And, you know, it may, at the, it may come at the cost of Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson. But, again, DJ Moore is the one that we can feel pretty confident about drafting in the third round, which I think is a really good value 
you know, the round, the third round and fourth round receivers, you know, there's tons of them, but DJ Moore is by far, you know, at the top of that kind of tier of players that you really want to target because of, you know, he's an ascending player, you know, he's only gotten better as he's already entered the leagues entering year three. And the thing with him, it's crazy. is just looking at his cumulative numbers, you know, over the past two seasons. So he has 142 receptions and 1900 receiving yards. So he has at least those two cumulative totals. He, no player has scored fewer touchdowns than he has, which is six on those cumulative numbers. So he has a ton of touchdowns coming for him in his future, unless he just has that Julio Jones syndrome where he's just allergic to the end zone. But entering year three, he's a guy that seems like he could totally smash and enter into, you know, finish as a top five receiver, especially if we see him develop chemistry with Bridgewater. And if, you know, we're seeing the Panthers playing in shootouts after shootouts, if their defense is kind of as bad as we kind of project it to be. Mm-hmm. And as far as like, you know, the other wide receivers, like in that area, um, you know, what kind of tier are we looking at with, uh, with DJ Moore? Like, where would you group him in terms of like, is he with Mike Evans or uh, Keenan Allen, you know, like what kind of range uh, in that aspect? So I think that he's kind of like in that range. So he's with like, you know, Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, guys like that. But I think that the thing that kind of separates him from that pack is those guys are kind of more established players and we kind of know like what they are and you're, you feel pretty good about them where DJ Moore is a player that, you know, this guy could just get better. Like we, we know, and that's obviously factored into his price. You know, he hasn't put up, you know, 6,000 yard seasons like Mike Evans has or, or things like that. But, you know, you know, we're analysts, you know, we got to project forward. We need to look at what he's done and make projections based on, you know, what the player is and, Everything that DJ Moore has done so far, he's basically checked off all the boxes. So he's a, a no-brainer pick, you know, in the third round. You know, you go running back heavy first. You know, if you can get Chris McCafferty and DJ Moore and Teddy Bridgewater, it's like, man, you're, you're going to be cooking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they might not be uh, – they might not have a great win-loss record, but that would be, <laughs> be a solid uh, foundation in fantasy for sure. And then just real quick, I just want to backtrack real quick on the quarterbacks. Uh, kind of a similar question with Teddy Bridgewater, like kind of what group of quarterbacks is he kind of surrounded in so that, you know, maybe listeners out there when they're drafting can kind of have an idea when they have to go after Teddy. Yeah. So Bridgewater is definitely going to be, you know, towards the end of your draft, kind of in a tier of players that's, you know, you're looking for kind of late round upside. You're kind of drafting him as a quarterback too. You're not necessarily going to look at him and be like, Oh, I got Bridgewater. Like I'm locked and loaded from the start. You know, looking at him, I kind of like him, liking him to guys like a, you know, a Garter Minshew who has some upside, you know, with his legs. Um, someone like a Ryan Tannehill, where another guy who, you know, we've seen him flash before. It's really, they kind of fall in a category of like a small sample size. You know, we, we really haven't seen Bridgewater, you know, be the guy for a whole season. So we've seen bits and pieces here and there. And, and that's kind of where we have to kind of go with him with the small sample size. Um, even kind of, you could even almost tear him with a guy like, you know, Matthew Stafford, potentially. We saw Stafford, you know, at the beginning of last year, just light it up for eight weeks, but that was it. So we don't know if he's going to be able to continue that pace. So again, with the small sample size of Teddy Bridgewater, that's kind of where you're looking. And he's really more of a projection type of player than like, Hey, you know, I got, you know, Matt Ryan, like you draft a Matt Ryan, you know, exactly how you're getting. Whereas Bridgewater is like, Hey, like this could be surprisingly good. And then if not, it's like, well, I got to just pick up some other quarterback. Right. 
Cool. Good stuff. Uh, Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus joining me here talking about Panthers fantasy matchups. I want to shift over now to some of the other wide receivers. We just touched on DJ Moore. Uh, the other two seem like they're pretty close together in, in a lot of fantasy projections. They all seem to be kind of in that wide receiver five, six type area, depending on your league. Uh, I know a bunch of rankings seem to have both of them close to each other, but a little outside the top 50. And that, of course, Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson. Now, to me, Curtis Samuel, you know, at least gives you that deep threat upside. So, um, you know, and if Teddy can obviously work on that deep ball, uh, I think there could be a bit of a connection there. But they are giving Robbie Anderson $10 million a year uh, for the two years that they signed him for. So, and then, you know, also looking at the fact that Joe Brady's now in as offensive coordinator, and we've touched on, uh, or we've talked throughout the offseason about how all these receivers can kind of fit into what LSU did last season. So when you look at these other two now, um, how do you how do you view them? Which one do you think gives you more upside? And you know, do you have an opinion in terms of like how they can fit to sort of like what LSU did last year? Like, does someone have the Justin Jefferson role? Does someone have the Jamar Chase role? Does someone have even quick throwing Ian Thomas in there? Does someone have like a, a Stephen Sullivan or a Thaddeus Moss type role in this offense? Yeah, so the way I look at the Panthers, and this is something I think that one of the head coach, what Joe Brady kind of talked about, you know, in one of his press conferences was, you know, their offense is about, you know, like not really focusing on one guy, but, you know, this week it's going to be this guy or this mm -hmm. week it's going to be this guy. So we're going to see splash performances from a lot of these Carolina Panthers receivers with DJ Moore probably being the most consistent player week over week. So that's why you guys like Robbie Anderson, Curtis Simula are going later in the draft because their roles are kind of unknown, but I do think that they're both going to be able to deliver on some spike weeks, which is why I think that specifically with Robbie Anderson, I think that he is actually going to kind of fill that role of the deep threat. I don't necessarily think Curtis Samuel is going to see as many deep targets because if you look at their offense last year, I mean, you know, it wasn't necessarily a knock on Curtis Samuel about, you know, his ability to be a deep threat wide receiver, but you know, it just didn't really work out that way. You know, whether it was him or it was Kyle Allen, regardless, he wasn't the best deep threat receiver that they had or could have had. And what they did was, you know, drafting Bobby Anderson is pretty tell, tell science. Like, Hey, we want this guy to be our deep threat. And I think that kind of makes it easier for Curtis Samuel to work more near the line of scrimmage, you know, obviously a guy who has experience playing running back. I think they could be a little bit more dynamic with him using him more short to intermediate, kind of like with DJ Moore, and then really using Robbie Anderson as a guy to stretch the field, you know, focusing less on, Hey, like let's get Curtis Samuel a bunch of air yards as opposed to let's get him the ball, you know, at the line of scrimmage and let him make plays with his feet. Like, I don't think they did that enough last year. I think that's what the coaches are kind of like, Hey, like this didn't work with Curtis Samuel. Like let's try something different. So I think Curtis Samuel could see like, a kind of total reversal in terms of his role in 2020 with Robbie Anderson coming in, kind of being and playing that deep threat role, which is he has really been really good at, you know, most of his career. Um, and then when it comes to like a guy like Ian Thomas, I think that he has the potential to really emerge as someone that could potentially be a weapon in slot. Um, he played a lot of slot reps the last two seasons um, with the Carolina Panthers when Greg Olson had either missed time so I think that that's something that could be really highlighted because I think that he offers different mismatches that either Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson can't really do. And what we've seen from Ian Thomas without Greg Olson, you know, we've seen some, a lot of flashes and he's kind of in that weird 
tier of, you know, he's, you know, first two seasons, he had a couple of flashes here and there, but he never really got the starting gig. And now he's entering year three, you know, a pretty common year where tight ends start to break out. There's no more Greg Olson and he's going really, really late. So obviously you have the McCaffrey's and DJ Moore's at the top of this tier on the Panthers. But then I think that the best value might actually end up being Ian Thomas because tight end is so hard to find good guys. I mean, you can probably find other wide receivers on other teams that would be just as good as Curtis Samuel, just as good as Robbie Anderson, especially as we start to see their roles start to cement as the season goes on. But if you get Ian Thomas and he starts to become like a weekly reliable tight end, like that's going to give you an advantage in a league. So I really like Ian Thomas kind of at the, you know, most of those guys are all going pretty cheap, but I think Ian Thomas might actually give you the most value at the tight end position. As you know, like you mentioned, I mean, this, this is a tough position. So, you know, Ian Thomas, if, like you said, if you're looking for that upside, he might be a guy that you can wait on if say you don't get like the top three guys. I mean, what, what's kind of the, you know, and even adding Ian Thomas in that mix, what's starting to be kind of the strategy with the tight ends? Like, is it, um, are there only like those select couple at the top that if you don't get them, you're just waiting for a while for one of these other guys like Indian Thomas? Yeah, I think that's the best strategy you can do. I think that you go Travis Kelsey, George Kittle early on. And if you don't get those guys, just punt and just wait till like the later rounds. Because the biggest thing that can kind of almost like handcuff a, a fantasy owner is when you take one of these middle tier tight ends, you know, in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round, something like that, you're kind of like locked into them a little bit more. So you're less likely to look on the waiver wire when a tight end starts to emerge. Cause like, Oh, well I got Hunter Henry. I got Evan Ingram. I got, you know, Tyler Higby. You know, they're pretty good. But then what if those guys don't, you know, make that leap into the elite status. Now it's like, okay. And I'm stuck with this guy that I really, I'm not so sure how good he is. Uh, you know, those, I feel like those guys, people draft those guys cause they're trying to fill out the rosters. Like the, those are the roster filler tight ends. Whereas you're way better off drafting, you know, in the 10th round going, you know, Johnny Smith, Mike Gusecki, Ian Tom, like just taking shots at some of these late round tight ends and just sticking with whatever one hits. Cause you only need to start one. So whichever one emerges, you stick with him and then you get rid of the rest of them. So I, I think that's probably the best way. That's at least I'm going to be approaching tight end that way, but that's how I recommend everybody. Good stuff. Yeah, I was, uh, I'll just touch on my Scott Fish Bowl real quick, too. I actually took <laughs> Travis Kelsey in the first. All right. Uh, I, you know, I had the seventh pick, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go for the tight end bonus here. I mean, Kelsey is just, you know, that elite option, especially in this type of play. He's going to be one of the highest scoring tight ends and one of the highest scoring players, not just in any format, but it's definitely in the Scott Fish. Um, and I think I ended up with guys like Jack Doyle later in the draft, took some of those, like, uh, you know, lesser type plays. So, you know, I, I guess I was kind of in the in the same situation as you. You know, either go for that top guy or you just kind of wait because, like you said, Ian Thomas can give you that upside. Uh, John U. Smith is definitely an intriguing option now that the Delaney Walker is out of there. And, you know, we, we know kind of what that Titans offense is. It's either Derrick Henry carries about 25 times a game <laughs> or you're just going to dump it off to Smith or chuck it to, to uh, A.J. Brown. So, Smith is definitely an intriguing one, and I'm hoping for a bit of a breakout too from the fellow Penn Stater in uh, in Mike Kosicki. And I got yeah, to meet there we go. So I, I will say this: uh, Mike Kosicki's a real nice guy. Actually, I think he still follows me on Twitter after we met on uh, at the senior. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um, wrap it up here, I guess. We'll just kind of lump 
defense and kickers together because at this point I don't think there's really much to talk about uh, with those positions. But I figure at least give them some love. Um, I think it's safe to say that the Panthers' defense is obviously undraftable. I mean, I've seen some – I went through a couple rankings a couple weeks ago on this podcast, and um, I think it was Yahoo I came across. They ranked like 29 defenses, and the Panthers came in at 28. And then I think ESPN had like 20 ranked, and obviously Carolina uh, was not in the top 20. Um, you guys, I'm sure, are very, very low on them. Um, is there any kind of fantasy outlook uh, with the Panthers' defense and special teams? I mean, imagine their special teams at least gives them something, but you're really rolling the, the dice on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I got them ranked 32, so, so I got them ranked Fair dead enough, last. Yep. And, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's not looking too good for them. <laughs> the thing I would say is if we do end up seeing them playing in a lot of shootouts, then there is a potential that, hey, high-scoring games, you know, there could be more turnovers in those, those types of games, just more passing attempts. So that could potentially be something that kind of emerges. But, like, from the start, especially, like, you know, they're playing the Raiders week one, like, Dark Carr doesn't really, like, turn the ball over like mm-hmm. they got to get offensive line and we're just not really sure what to expect from them so they're going to be really risky like on a week-to-week basis you got to hope that's going to be a shootout and that you hope that they get turnovers because you know if the shootout goes where they just give up a bunch of points and don't cause any turnovers and they're going to get you like negative fantasy points so exactly. um, if anything you know you're trying to be you got, if you got to save money in dfs then hell yeah go go with the carolina panthers but yeah. Uh, just be careful because you might get in the negatives. That's a millimaker type uh, <laughs> type risk. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, the Raiders, you just touched on Derek Carr, Derek Carr, and then, of course, they have Tom Brady on the road in week two. Then they go to the Chargers. Uh, they've got Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan. You know, maybe that game against the Bears could be a, <laughs> a weekly option for them. But, I mean, yeah, there's obviously a lot of quarterbacks – because uh, then after they play the Bears, they've got Drew Brees, they've got Matt Ryan, and they've got Pat Mahomes three weeks in a row, then Brady again. So, I mean, boy, you, you talk about a, a murder's row of quarterback. So, yeah, uh, there's there's just kind of the, the touch on the, the Panthers' defense. And then kickers, um, I mean, I guess it's take your pick. You know, do you think Graham Gano is going to be the starter? Is it going to be um, – is it going to be Joey Sly? It, it seems like uh, depending on who – people think the kicker is going to be their kind of a middle of the road just because of, you know, the little bit of upside, I guess, that this offense brings, you know, so they should be in position to score some points. Cause like you said, they're probably going to be throwing the ball a lot. So uh, at the very least they might have a couple of field goal attempts. So uh, is there anything we could say about the kickers for the Panthers? Yeah, definitely on the, the Joey Sly train. That's who I've got, you know, ranked currently. So we have him ranked as the 15th ranked kicker. So, you know, he's, much better than the defense is and I think that you know I'm not saying he's really a draftable kicker at this point outside obviously the top 12 guys but I think that you know the Panthers offense could be surprising and you know they weren't shy last year at least about letting him kick the ball deep Mm -hmm. you know he had a lot of deep attempts you know over 40 yards over 40 yard field goals so he has a big leg so we've seen it before so he could be a guy that you could rely on but again he's going to fall in the rankings just because you know, we're still not sure. Again, he still has to, you know, compete with Gano and the fact that, you know, he doesn't play in the dome. So, you know, those dome kickers are always going to get a, a bump up. 
Um, but he does play some opponents in dome. So you know, he plays Atlanta in a dome. He plays New Orleans in a dome. So mm-hmm. I definitely think Joey Sly will probably be, end up being on people's rosters um, during the season at some point. Maybe my roster. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Andrew, it was it was a lot of fun talking to. You. I think that's a, a good place to wrap it up. I think we did a nice job, kind of touching on everything. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and let the listeners know where they can find you, any kind of work you're working on, just anything you want to plug. Uh, the platform's yours. Yeah, so I am Andrew Erickson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. All my articles, written content, you know, podcasts, everything like that is over at pff.com. And yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Good stuff. Really appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much for, for hanging out with me today. Oh, yeah, man. No worries. Go Panthers. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.